The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. R. Scott Clark. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Let's pray. Father, we ask your grace and mercy uh, this morning as we uh, meditate on your word. Uh, We're deeply grateful that uh, you lift us up to yourself and you have come to us. You've drawn near to us in Jesus Christ and you have united us by your Holy Spirit to Christ. You've made us who were strangers and aliens to be uh, sons, adopted sons in Christ. And you've granted us the Holy Spirit by which you are putting to death in us the old man and making alive in us the new, and all because of the righteousness of Christ for us. So as we meditate on your word this morning, we pray that you'll renew uh, in us an appreciation of that great truth and that complex of truths, and that you might also renew in us an appreciation uh, for those who've gone before us and stood up for the truth of free acceptance with God and the primacy and uniqueness of the Word of God. So hear our prayer, accept our praise, renew our hearts and minds, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to meditate with you this morning from Romans 3. Uh, I'm I'm going to read 21 through 28, but I really am thinking this morning about Romans 3, 28 and a funny little German word. So Romans 3, 21, this is the English Standard Version. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not Uh, the God of Gentiles also, yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. He will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. I thought perhaps I should finish the thought, but I want to think with you this morning about particularly Romans 3.28. In his uh, 1521 translation of the Greek New Testament into German, the so-called September Testament, which he completed in about 11 weeks. Seminary students take note. 
That's two weeks shy of a semester in which Dr. Luther translated the entire Greek Testament while you're whining about a few passages here and there. Luther's most controversial decision may have been to use the, the German word align, alone, in his translation of Romans 3.28. And, and of course, as you know, Romans 3.28 says, for we reckon that a man is justified through faith apart from the works of the law. In his translation, however, Luther added the word align. A man is justified through faith alone, apart from the works of the law. And this decision signals the deep roots in the Reformation of the doctrine and the expression sola fide. Sometimes people ask me, are these Reformation solas authentic Reformation slogans? And the answer is yes, they are. I've looked into them, and all of them, uh, with a possible exception of solus Christus, which I haven't really pursued yet, but all of them have early find early expression in the 16th century Protestant Reformation. So these are, so sola gratia, sola fide, uh, so even soli deo gloria was earlier than I once thought, and, and certainly so, uh, and sola scriptura. These are all authentic early Reformation expressions. His decision to use alone in his translation predicted, or, uh, sparked predictable outrage from his Romanist critics, and um, just as it, if someone were to do it today, it would again spark outrage. There are plenty of, of uh, so-called evangelicals who have come essentially to agree with Rome that we're justified uh, by grace and cooperation with grace. This is widely held among evangelicals, so that I think it is right to say that those who hold that we are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, are once again a minority. It's not at all unusual <clears throat> to see major evangelicals stand up in public and say that we're justified initially by grace alone, through faith alone, but, f- but finally, ultimately, uh, through grace and works. So that works, and, and of course there's another formula whereby we are said to, to be finally saved through works, so that works are given an instrumental function in our final salvation and our final righteousness with God. Now, some of them say it openly, and some of, the, some of them say it a little more cryptically. So uh, those who are unaware of this two-stage structure of justification among some erstwhile evangelicals uh, when they read or, or hear of the, uh, of the first stage, right, they don't uh, uh, always pay attention to the fact that there is a second stage which essentially wipes out the first stage. You're out on bail, but you're not really justified uh, before God and before the law. So in September 1530, during the Diet of Augsburg, which would influence the course of the Reformation for the rest of the 16th century and beyond, Luther was at Coburg Castle, about 158 miles north of Augsburg. And while in the castle, in safekeeping, he was translating portions of the Old Testament, and and while doing that, he took time to write a great defense of the necessity of translating God's word into the language of the people. He defended, in this defense, he defended his decision to use a line in Romans 3.28. It's a long passage, but it's a great passage, and I wanted to read it for you 
this morning. Um, there are a few expressions that uh, might shock our tender ears and consciences, but I'm going to read them as they are. Uh, I think, uh, actually, there's some use in, in hearing Luther and let him recalibrate our uh, late modern sensitivities. If your papist wants to make so much fuss about the word sola, tell him this. Dr. Martin Luther will have it so, and says that papist and donkey are the same thing. Sic volo, sic ubeo, sit pro rationi volintas. This I will, this I command. Let, uh, let that will be the ground. We are not going to be the pupils and disciples of the papists, but their masters and judges. For once, we too are going to be proud and brag with these blockheads, as St. Paul boasts over against his mad raving saints. He's referring to 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-one and following. So I shall boast over against these donkeys of mine. Are they, don are they doctors? So am I. Are they learned? So am I. Are they preachers? So am I. Are they theologians? So am I. Are they debaters? So am I. Are they philosophers? So am I. Are they dialecticians? So am I. Are they lecturers? So am I. Do they write books? So do I. I will go further with my boasting. I can expound psalms and prophets. They cannot. I can translate. They cannot. By the way, this is why you're in seminary. It's right, right there. I can expound, uh, uh, sorry, I can read the Holy Scriptures. They cannot. I can pray. They cannot. I can, and to come down to their level, I can use their own dialectics and philosophy better than all of them put together. And besides, I know for sure that none of them understands their Aristotle. If there is a single one among them who correctly understands one uh, preface or chapter in Aristotle, I'll eat my hat. I am not saying too much, for I have been trained and practiced uh, uh, from my youth up in all their science, and I am well aware how deep and broad it is. They are all very aware, too, that I can do everything they can. Yet these incurable fellows treat me as though I were a stranger to their field who had just arrived this morning, who for the first time and never had before uh, either seen or heard what they teach and know. So bri brilliantly do they parade about with their science, teaching me what I outgrew 20 years ago, that to all their blatting and shouting, I have to sing with a harlot. I have known for seven years that horseshoe nails are iron. Let this be the answer to your question, and please give these donkeys no other and further answer to their useless braying about the word sola than simply this. Luther will have it so, and says that he is a doctor above all the doctors of the whole papacy. It shall stay at that. Henceforth, I simply hold them in contempt and have held them in contempt so long as they are the kind of people, I should say donkeys, that they are. There are shameless nincompoops among them who, should never, who have never learned their own art of sophistry like Dr. Schmidt and Dr. Snotty Nose and their likes and who set themselves against me in this matter, which transcends not only sophistry, but, as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 19 and following, all the world's wisdom and understanding as well. Truly a donkey need not sing much. He is already well known by his ears anyway. 
To you and our people, however, I shall show why I chose to use the word sola, though in Romans uh, 3 it was not sola, but solam or tantum that I used. So sharply do the donkeys look at my text. Nevertheless, I have used sola fide elsewhere, and I want both solam and sola. I have constantly tried in translating to produce a pure and clear German, and as it often happened that for two or three or four weeks we have searched and inquired for a single word and sometimes not found it even when translating, or even then. In translating, Job, Master Philip, and uh, Matthaus uh, Goldhahn, a Hebrew prophet, Wittenberg, and I labored so that sometimes we scarcely handled three lines in four days. Now it is translated and finished. Everybody can read and criticize it. One now runs his eyes over three or four pages and does not stumble once without realizing what boulders and clods had once lain there, where he now goes uh, along uh, as over a smoothly planed board. We had to sweat and toil there before those, um, before we got those boulders and clods out of the way. And as one who supervised some difficult translation works, I, I genuinely understand what Luther is saying here. You, you try reading Coxeus in Latin. So that one could uh, go along so nicely. The plowing goes well when the field is cleared, but rooting out the woods and stumps and getting the field ready, this is a job nobody wants. There is no such thing as earning the world's thanks. Even God himself can earn no thanks with the Son, indeed, with heaven and earth, or with his own Son's death. It, is, uh, it simply is and remains world in the devil's name just because it will not be anything else. Here in Romans 3.28, I knew very well that the word solum is not in the Greek or Latin texts. The papists did not have to teach me that. It is a fact that these four letters, S-O-L-A, are not there. And these blockheads stare at them like cows at a new gate. At the same time, they do not see that it conveys the sense of the text. It belongs there if the translation is to be clear and vigorous. I wanted to speak German, not Latin or Greek, since it was German I had, undertake, I had undertaken to speak in the translation. But it is the nature of our German language that in speaking of two things, one of which is affirmed and the other is and the other denied, we use the word solum, a line, along with the word nicht, not, or kind, no. For example, we say the farmer brings a line grain and kind money. No, really, I have now a nicht money, but a line grain. I have a line eaten and nicht yet drunk. Did you a line write it? And nicht not read it over and, and nicht read it over. There are innumerable cases of this kind in daily use. Well, as I say, there's thus far uh, Luther defending his use of the word alone in uh, his translation of Romans three twenty eight. Uh, so that uh, and uh, there are a lot of things that, that we could say, but I have only three minutes, so I can't say them all. One thing um, I can say is if you look at your copy of the Belgic Confession, 
which I'm sure you look at frequently. Something I noticed uh, a while back, um, so let me just read uh, Belgic, a little bit from Belgic 22, Article 22. You'll see a really interesting connection here between what Luther says in his defense of uh, his translation and, and in connection to his translation of Romans 3.28. Belgic Confession, uh, Article 22, we believe that for us to acquire the true knowledge of this great mystery, the Holy Spirit kindles in our heart a true faith that embraces Jesus Christ with all his merits and makes him its own and no longer looks for anything apart from him. For it must necessarily follow that uh, either all that is required for our salvation is not in Christ or if it is in him, that he who has Christ by faith has his salvation entirely. Therefore, to say that Christ is not enough but that something else is needed as well is a most enormous blasphemy against God. For then it would follow that Jesus Christ is only half a savior. And therefore we justly say with Paul, now mark this, that we are justified, and it's in quite properly in quotation marks, by faith alone. We say with Paul, we are justified by faith alone alone, or by faith, and again in quotation marks, apart from works. As Luther said, Paul did not say the word alone. You look in your Greek text and you will not see it. But in the Belgian Confession, we say that Paul did say that. Where did Guy Debray, who wrote Belgic 22, learn that Paul says alone? He didn't learn it from Theodore Beza. He didn't learn it from Robert Olivitan. He learned it from Martin Luther. We confess Martin Luther's translation of Romans 3.28. Jesus' work is enough. Jesus' work is perfect. And we're justified by grace alone, through faith alone. Faith is the sole unique instrument, and that's why we say, and I'll finish with this, however, we do not mean, properly speaking, that it is faith itself that justifies us, for faith is only the instrument, or is the only instrument by which we embrace Christ, our righteousness. But Jesus Christ is our righteousness, crediting to us all his merits and the holy works he has done for us and in our place. And faith is the instrument Good works are not the instrument. Your sanctification is not the instrument. Faith is the instrument. Knowledge, assent, and trust. A certain knowledge and a hearty trust, we say in the Heidelberg Catechism. But it's knowledge, assent, and trust. And that keeps us in communion with him and with all his benefits, whose benefits are made ours. Sorry, sorry. when those benefits are made ours, they are more than enough to absolve us of all our sins. It's Reformation Week, and it's a good time to remember why we had a Reformation. It's a good time to recommit ourselves to re-articulating a fundamental, what we say is a fundamental biblical truth, that we're justified by grace alone, by divine favor alone, 
through faith alone in, in the person and work of Christ alone. It's enough. We don't need anything else. Let's give thanks. Father, we are grateful uh, this morning for those who've gone before us. And this morning, we're particularly grateful for Dr. Luther. Sometimes he makes us a little uncomfortable with things that he says, and yet um, you used him in a marvelous way. We recognize that, and, and uh, we appreciate and are deeply grateful for his boldness in grasping what Paul was saying, that we are justified with you apart from the works of the law, that faith is entirely sufficient to apprehend Christ and all his benefits. What a marvelous gift faith is, and what a marvelous gift the Reformation is. And we're sorry for neglecting it, and we're sorry that it is so widely neglected in our time. We pray that you might renew in us and everywhere the truth that were recovered in the Reformation, that they might live in our hearts and in the hearts of all of our brothers and sisters, uh, that Christians everywhere might be delivered from the bondage of righteousness on the basis of or through the instrument of works in any way except for the, uh, the basis of the works of Christ for us and the instrument of faith which looks away from self and which looks to Christ. Hear our prayer, accept our thanks, and bring these things about. For Jesus' sake, amen. Copyright 2020, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.